podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Two-footed podcast on Wednesday, the 25th of May, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you geoblock from, while also keeping your data safe. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot. And if you use the code EPL25, that's EPL25 at libertyshield.com. You can get 25% off the hardware package, which is a router that's mailed out to you, shipping worldwide, or the software package, which is instantly downloadable to your devices. Get using straight away. If you're a UK expat and you want access to BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub, all four, or an Irish expat who wants to watch RTE Player, for example, Liberty Shield is what you need. It will also keep your data safe. Check out libertyshield.com. And again, the code is EPL25. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out both the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks, it is Wednesday, and tonight there is a European final. It is the final of the Europa Conference League. Now, look, I, along with many other people, sort of scoffed at the introduction of this competition. Myself and Guy have referred to it as the Vanarama Cup. But it's actually turned out to be quite fun. It has actually delivered... It's no Cup Winners' Cup. And I think for people of my age and older, we wanted the Cup Winners' Cup brought back because if you're going to introduce a third European competition, give us one we know was good. Give us one we know works. The Cup Winners' Cup was great. And while it would be difficult to do in terms of there's so many clubs in the European Cup now in the Champions League, it still could have been made to work. It really could have been made to work. But they gave us the Conference League and it has worked. It has been quite good. It's been a great opportunity for certain clubs to have a run in Europe. I still don't like the backdoor system. I still don't like the fact that, you know, like a Leicester City drop in out of the Europa League and get another run. You failed in Europe once. You shouldn't be rewarded for that. I don't like the drop in from the Champions League into the Europa League either. Again, you failed in Europe. You shouldn't get a second chance. But it has added a bit to the competition. So tonight, it is Roma versus Feyenoord in the Conference League final. Feyenoord, Dutch Giants, managed very, very well, I should say, by Arnie Slot, have been 
one of the most entertaining teams in Europe this season, especially in this competition. That front line with Gus Till as the 10, Nelson playing one side, Sinistera playing the other. That's been really exciting behind Cyril Dessers, the striker who's an loan from Genk. It has been a lot of fun to watch this Feyenoord team this season. They score a lot of goals. They create a lot of chances. Uh, the other one I didn't mention is uh, Brian Linson, who can play both wings. If he starts tonight, it'll probably be over Reese Nelson. Assuming everybody's fit, it may well be Linson, Till and Sinistera behind uh, behind Dessers. One to watch is Cuckoo, the midfielder. He's really, really talented. Um, Dutch-born, but he plays for the Turkish national team. Really good manipulator of the ball. One to keep an eye on tonight. Um, the other one, actually, to be fair, while I'm mentioning players, uh, Malaysia, the left-back, definitely worth keeping an eye on. But Sinister is the star of the show here. And if you want to see an exciting player, give him an eye. Left-winger, right-footed, always looking to cut in, always looking to get shots away. Really, really quick. Great dribbler. Outstanding talent. I think he's got a big future. There was rumours he was going to go to Bayer Leverkusen. Those seem to have quietened down. And rumours have picked up that Adam Hlozek, the young Czech attacker, is going there instead. So I don't know if they're going to buy both. I have, I, I would doubt they'd buy both. But if they can add either of them to Diaby and Patrick Schick with Florian Wirtz coming back next season from his injury, they're going to be so much fun to watch. Um, Feyenoord have a decent European pedigree. Obviously, they won a European Cup. They defeated Celtic in the European Cup final back in 1970. They've won the UEFA Cup as it was twice, 1974 and 2002. Really, really Good European pedigree there, looking to become one of the few clubs to win three different European titles. Roma, on the other hand, have never won a European title. And, you know, when you look at Italian clubs and you start to name the biggest Italian clubs, I think you're hard pushed to find four bigger than Roma. You'd obviously have the big three. You've got Juventus and the two Milan clubs. And unsurprisingly, they've both, they've, all three of them have had loads of European success. But I think Roma would normally be next on that list. Them or Lazio. Now, Lazio won the Cup Winners' Cup. But like Fiorentina have had European success. Sampdoria have had European success. And Parma have had European success. And yet Roma never have. Now, Roma have never had huge success anyway. They've only won three league titles, nine Coppa Italias, uh, and one Serie B title. Their only quote-unquote European success was the Fairs Cup, which nobody cares about. Um, so they're chasing history for their club. They're obviously managed by Jose Mourinho, and Mourinho himself is chasing history. Mourinho has won two European Cups, one with Porto, one with Inter Milan. He's won two UEFA Cups, one with Porto, one with Manchester United under the Europa League banner. 
So he's looking to become the first manager to win three different European competitions. And it'll be his fifth European triumph in total if they pull it off. And this is a good Roma team. Now, they didn't have a fantastic league campaign. They finished sixth. But there's a lot of talent in the squad. And we've got Rui Patricio in goal. He's been around a long time. We saw him at Wolves. He's not quite the keeper he was a couple of years ago, but he's still a good goalkeeper. Rick Karsdorp will or Karsdorp will be the right wing back, uh, barring some sort of surprise. Spinozola is back from the torn Achilles he suffered at the Euros, but I wouldn't expect him to start in this game. I think it might just be a bit too much. Now, Zalewski has been starting as the left wing back in recent weeks, so he could be an option for them there. Uh, Matthias Vina is the other option, the, uh, the Uruguayan left back. He could be the option there either. So they've got good choices. At centre-back, Roger Ibanez starts, barring injury. Chris Smalling generally starts as well. And the third one... It's normally Gianluca Mancini. The other option is uh, Marash Kumbula. In fairness, it's normally Ibanez and Mancini plus one of Kumbula or Smalling. Um, Smalling is the one I'd expect to start. This match will mean more to Kumbula than anybody else. This game is taking place in Albania. He's an Albanian international. It's a lovely little stadium, actually, in Tirana. Um, but... The starting defence will most likely be Karsdrop. If fit, Vina, if not, um, Zalewski, with Mancini, Ibanez and Smalling as the three centre-backs. In midfield, Brian Cristante always starts. Jordan Veritao is the one I would expect to start with him. And then it's a question of what does Mourinho do in front of that. If Zaniolo's fit, it's probably Zaniolo, Pellegrini, and Tammy Abraham. But there is the Mkhitaryan op- option as well for Mourinho. So he's got he's got really strong options in a number of different places. Um, there's also Ainsley Maitland-Niles there in on loan, obviously, from Arsenal, who's played a decent amount uh, since joining. You've got the possibility of Carlos Perez getting some game time. Most of these players come off the bench, the likes of El Shawari. Um, Athena Gayan, Shamorodov, the Uzbeki attacker, those lads generally come off the bench. I'm expecting Tammy, Zaniolo, and Pellegrini as the front three with Cristante and Vertois in the central midfield uh, area. That's a strong team and it's set up to play Mourinho type football. But when Zaniolo's on form, they're actually really impressive going forward as well. He's so important. He's such a unique player, like 6'3", big and rangy, cultured left foot. Imagine Kai Havertz with a load of bastard in him. That's basically what he is. A bit more skillful than Kai, I think. Um, maybe not as... Maybe not as prolific, prolific as Kai. And Kai's not a massively prolific player, but... Zaniolo is a real threat and he will cause big, big problems for any team he goes up against. He needs to add more goals to his game, but he has been really good in this competition. Himself, Tammy and Pellegrini between them have 19 goals in the competition so far. To get to this point in the tournament, 
Roma played a knockout round. They knocked out Trabzonspor, 5-1 on aggregate. In the group stage, they played Bodo Glimt, Luhansk, and uh, CSK Sofia. They won four, drew one, and lost one. They beat Sofia, beat Luhansk, lost heavily away to Bodo Glimt, 6-1, drew it home to Bodo, 2-2, and people were beginning to have real doubts about Mourinho at this point. This was way back in October, October, November time. Uh, one away in Ukraine, one away in, sorry, one at home to, to Luhansk, um, one away in Sofia. Then they beat Vietasarnam 2-1 on aggregate. They got Bodo in the quarterfinals, lost 2-1 away. Now remember, that game was basically played at the North Pole. That's, that's well up in Norway. Uh, but they hammered them 4-0 at home to go through 5-2. And then they played, played Leicester City last time out. At the King Power, they went one up through Pellegrini and then a Mancini on goal on 67, equalised it. In the second leg, Tammy Abraham on 11 minutes, and that was all she wrote. Roma through to a final, Mourinho doing what he does. Feyenoord's path to the final has been a little bit more complicated because they had to go through multiple knockout rounds before getting into the group stage. So they beat FC Dritta, who are, I don't even know who they are. They are from Kosovo. Uh, they beat them 3-2 on aggregate, 0-0 draw away, 3-2 at home. They beat Luzerne of Switzerland, 6-0 on aggregate, 3-0 in both games. They beat Elfsburg, 5-0 at home, lost 3-1 away, went through 6-3 on aggregate. They topped a tough group. They had Slavia, pra uh, Slavia Prague, Union Berlin, and Maccabi Haifa. Four wins, two draws. Draw away to Maccabi, draw away to Slavia, won all their home games and beat Union away. Really impressive. Knocked out Partizan Belgrade, 8-3 on aggregate. A 5-2 away win, a 3-1 home win. Knocked out Slavia Prague, so they knocked out both Prague teams uh, or beat both Prague teams. 3-3 um, at home. 1-3-1 away, beat Marseille, 3-2 at home, and then drew 0-0 away to go three uh, go through the semi-finals, 3-2 in aggregate, and that lands them in the final. And they've been really entertaining to watch. They don't defend particularly well. Uh, they can look quite haggard defensively, but when the pressure was on at home, or sorry, away to Marseille, they managed to keep a clean sheet. So that's impressive. Arnie Slot's a manager to watch, 43 years of age. If you're not aware of him, I don't really blame you. He was at AZ Alkmaar. He was there for about 18 months. Feyenoord went sort of the dirty route and tried to negotiate with him behind AZ's back. Unfortunately for him, he negotiated with them. AZ found out and sacked him. Now, silly move by them to sack him. But they sacked him anyway, and he ends up at Feyenoord six months later. Very similar, I think, to the Marco Silva situation when he was at Watford and Everton tapped him up and then Watford sacked him and he ended up at Everton anyway. Um, but he's a really, really impressive young manager. Keep an eye on him. Doesn't obviously have Mourinho's track record, but nobody does. Uh, Jose, regardless of what people think, is one of the great managers to ever stand in a dugout. Absolutely incredible and if we look at what he's won two league titles with Porto a Portuguese cup a Champions League a Super Cup oh sorry a UEFA Cup 
three league titles with Chelsea over two spells, an FA Cup, three league cups, an Inter Milan, two league titles, Coppa Italia and the Champions League, a Real Madrid, Copa del Rey and La Liga up against that incredible Barcelona team. At United, he won the League Cup and he won the Europa League. The only club he hasn't won a trophy at was Spurs. And let's remember that they sacked him, what, two weeks before a final? So he got them to a final. Um, You look at his career, he was at Benfica for 11 games and they decided to sack him. He'd won six of them, drawn three. He lost two games, they decided to move on. Went to Deliria. That's kind of where he made his name. Was only really there for six months, but won 52% of his games. Went to Porto and turned them into a force, an absolute force, winning the UEFA Cup in his first year and the champion in his first full season, I should say. He had a six-month run in, joined in the January. First full season wins the UEFA Cup. Second full season wins the European Cup. Goes to Chelsea, dominates English football. Won two titles, should have won another one. Injuries screwed them in the third year. Disappointment was in the Champions League, but still dominated English football for a couple of years. Went to Inter, dominated Serie A, won a Champions League. Real took over when Barca were just exploding with this incredible team that Pep had had, had built, around them, built around Messi and yet managed to win a league title. Obviously, it ended badly at Real. He fell out with a lot of people. And that's kind of where the great Mourinho sort of ended, like that incredible force of nature, because he lost the dressing room for the first time. When he was at Porto and Chelsea and Inter, his players would have run through brick walls for him. Wasn't quite the same after that. Comes back to Chelsea, wins the league title in year two, And then it all goes into the toilet, obviously. Everybody remembers what happened. Goes to United. As we now know, completely toxic environment. Ineptitude running from top to bottom at the club. A group of players who could not be more privileged if they tried. Yet he still won two cups and finished second in the league with a club that is an absolute train wreck. And then it spurs... It just didn't go great. He, he should have taken a, a longer break. He'd been out of the game about 11 months after the United thing. He probably should have taken a longer break, but he jumped back in at Spurs and it didn't go great. It just didn't go great. But again, you had a, a bit of a messy situation where there wasn't a lot of money to spend. They spent big on Endombele and Lacelso. Neither of whom were Mourinho-type players. He inherited them. Delhi was beginning to really decline off a cliff. Ericsson was in a messy situation looking to leave the club. It was all a bit strange. Uh, you know, Danny Rose had declined badly. The centre-backs, Toby Alderweireld, Jan Vertonghen, they had declined. Spurs needed quite a big reboot, and Mourinho isn't the guy to do that. But I have to say, I think he's done a fairly good job since taking over at Roma. And any time a manager is winning 51% or more of their games, he's doing a pretty good job. He is doing a pretty good job. Um, 
And Mourinho always does a good job. He, he might not do a great job like he used to, but he's still a good manager. The issue with Spurs was Daniel Levy thought he was hiring kind of 0-2 to 2012 Mourinho. He wasn't. That's not the guy he got. But he's still a good manager. Roma at least knew what they were getting. And even in the part of his career where he hasn't been the, the genius he was for 10 years, he still won a league title, a league cup, another league cup at United, finished second and won a Europa League. So it's not a bad run. That's That, for most managers, would be a great career. If you told Brendan Rodgers now that for the next 10 years he can win a league cup, sorry, two league cups, a league title, finish second of the year and win a Europa League, Brendan Rodgers would snap your hand off. Graham Potter would snap your hand off. Mikel Arteta would snap your hand off. Most managers would snap your hand off for the last 10 years of Mourinho. And only a few can even dream of the previous 10 years. Simple as that. Only a few can even dream of it. Seven league titles across four leagues, two European Cups, UEFA Cup, bunch of domestic Cups in seven years. And remember, he was out of the game for nearly a season. So he left Chelsea in September 07, didn't reappear till Inter in the summer of 08. So he missed basically the entire 07 08 season. So it's actually he did that in nine years. That's it's incredible. Anyway, this should be a good game. I'm looking forward to it. I'm picking Roma to win. I think I'm picking Roma to win because I want Mourinho to win more than anything. But uh, I am picking Roma to win tonight. But I, look, whoever wins, it's going to be great scenes. Uh, it'll be great for Feyenoord if they did win because they're a tremendous club. But they're a bit in the shadow of PSV Eindhoven and, and Ajax, unfortunately. It just It is what it is. They're the number three team in... The Netherlands, um, they don't have the same type of success. They did win a title back in 2017 when Van Bronckhorst was manager. That was their first title since 99. It was only their third title since 84. You know, it it just is what it is. Um, but that's tonight. That is a, what time is that game at? 8 p.m. UK time. 8 p.m. UK time from Tirana in Albania. Should be a good one. Right, uh, what other news do we have today? We have Tottenham Hotspur um, set to make their first summer signing. Fraser Forster has agreed to join on a free. Also regarding Spurs, talk of a £150 million cash injection from ownership, most of which will go to Antonio Conte and their summer plans. So I thought, I want to go more in depth with all the clubs and what they might do uh, in the summer. Probably do that next week. Um, Do four a day or whatever. But I thought I'd have a quick look at Spurs because it is interesting that this news has come out um, because a lot of the criticism about the ownership at Tottenham has been, well, they don't spend any money. So, you know, here we are. They look like they want to spend some money. There's also mention in every single article about this that 
a number of players will be sold to further boost that. Now, they do have payments due on Christian Romero, I believe on Sergio Regulon, and on Rodrigo Bentancourt. Now, the Bentancourt money is 17 million. I think it's 28 for Regulon and about 40 for Romero. Kulisevsky, they don't have to worry about. They don't know anything on him until next year. But that's that's a big chunk of that 150 million gone. Now, in all likelihood, I think they're going to sell Regulon this summer. There seems to be some interest in him. And I think they might even sell him at a bit of a loss. I think he's very good, but he's not what Conte wants. Uh, it looks like Philippe Kostic of Eintracht Frankfurt, who I said last week, I couldn't understand why he hadn't got a move to a bigger club. It does look like he's one that Spurs are very, very keen on. He would be a great addition. I think they need to address the right wing back spot as well. I'd be looking to sell a number of players at Spurs. I'd move on Matt Doherty. I think at his age, this is probably the last chance you have to get a decent sum from. He is 30 years of age, turns 31 in January. I think you move him on this summer. You keep Regulon as your backup. Or you keep, not Regulon, Emerson Royale, rather, as your backup. I don't expect him to leave despite some reports that he might. Um, So you, you need to bring in someone there. Max Ahrens from Norwich is a name doing the rounds. Keep an eye on that one. Uh, left wing back then, like I say, Regulon could leave, Costage could come in. If that happens, they'll make a big profit on that deal because Costage won't cost anywhere close to what uh, Regulon will bring in. I wouldn't imagine anyway. Uh, at centre-back, they've got Romero, and he's the only one I'd look at and say, that's a starter. I think Tanganga, Dyer, and Davies are fine as depth pieces. And what that would allow you to do then is sell Joe Roden and Davinson Sanchez. Now, I think you'll get about 10 million for Joe Roden, which will be a loss, I believe, on what they paid. They paid 11. I think they'll get 10 million from 24 year old Welsh international. He is a good centre back. There is no doubt he can play in this league. It just hasn't worked from at Spurs. But they can move him on. Davinson, they'll have to take a loss on. Now, he is only 25, but I don't think they're going to get anything close to the 42 million they paid. I think if they get 20, 25, they'll take it. And look, they can just say, well, a different manager and a different sporting director signed him, so it's not our problem. Um, so he, that's another one could go. So there's three that I think could go. Doherty, Sanchez, and Roden. Defensively, I think they go. Uh, in midfield... Winks could go, but I'm not sure he will. Heusberg stays. Skip stays. Bentoncourt obviously stays. They'll look to buy one in midfield. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Who it will be, I don't know. I saw someone mention Malinkovic-Savage today. I can't actually think of a worse fit. For a Conte 2 in a 3-4-3, it would be mind-blowing if he bought Savage for that. It would be a complete waste of him. Because Savage is a naturally attack-minded midfielder. You can't put him in midfield as a water carrier, as a grafter, as a ball winner. It's not his, it's not his game. I understand you might want to upgrade on Heusberg. And if they do, then I could see maybe Winks leaving then if they bring in that central midfielder and it's a you know high-end central midfielder. 
I could see them then going new midfielder plus Bentoncourt and then Skip and Hoysberg as the depth. But I'd still like to have five. I'd still try and keep Winks another season if I could. I know a lot of people have kind of gone off him, but I still think he's a decent player. I wouldn't actually let any of them leave. I'd just keep them and I'd add one more. I think it's just the best thing to do. You've got money coming in from Sanchez, from Regulon, from Doherty, and from Roden. It's actually four defenders, not three, that I would be looking to sell, assuming Regulon goes. Um, Ryan Sessling, you keep, obviously, as the backup left wing back. Uh, Kane, obviously, you keep. Son, you keep. Kulisevsky, you keep. It looks like Bergvine will leave. I expect Mora to stay. Now, they do have Pape Matar Sar, and maybe they just bring him back and put him into their midfield mix because he is a massive talent, like one of the most sought-after young players in Europe, and Spurs managed to nab him. So maybe they just bring him back, and maybe he's the addition in midfield, in which case you definitely want to keep Winks because he's a young player. Uh, Sar's a young player. You want bring him along slowly. So they need a backup for Kane. We know that. And they could probably do it one more depth piece. They probably need two centre-backs, two wing-backs, and two up front. They probably need six signings. Now, I, I would be looking for a successor to uh, Larice as well, but you can't do everything in one summer. My expectation is Golini goes and they go Loris, Forster and uh, Brandon Austin as the three goalkeepers. They've also got young Alfie Whiteman that they can use. Brian Hill could be brought back. I would actually bring him back. I bring him back as the backup to Kulisevsky because I think there's similarities in how they play. Both really good ball carriers. Mora can then be your sort of sun backup, not, not a similar type of player, but just that kind of pacey wide player who can play through the middle a little bit if you need him to. So they need to find a backup striker, two wing backs and two centre backs. That's basically what they need. And they have Bergvine, Regulon, Doherty, Sanchez and Roden to sell plus La Celso plus Endembele. Now Cameron Carter Vickers and Jack Clark will probably also be sold. I just don't know what they'll bring in. Three, four million each. Uh, the Jack Clark move never worked. He's very talented winger, just didn't work at Spurs. I think he'll go on and have a really good career. I think he's been pretty impressive for Sunderland. But that's five players, sorry, seven players to sell. You might get $10 million for Doherty, maybe at a push. I think you'll get 20 for Regulon. Left-backs like him do bring a decent premium. Say you get 20 for Sanchez, 10 for Roden. What's that, 60? And I think you'll probably get 15 for, for um, Bergwijn. That's $75 million. That $75 million covers most of what you owe out on... Romero, Bentoncourt, and Regulon. 
So you've still got your 150 million to go and address the players that you want or the, the needs that you have. So if we say Kostic comes in at about 15 and Max Aaron's at about 20, that's 35 gone. That leaves 115. Centre-back has to be your priority, even over the backup for Kane. So you've got to go and you've got to address that. I would say Gvardiol from Leipzig is more likely than Bastoni from Inter in that left-sided role. There's been a lot of talk of Bremer from Torino. I'm not a huge fan, but in a three, in a three, he makes it work. Now, it would be a super aggressive pairing with him and Romero. But that could be the, the, the trio. Romero, Bremer, and Gvardiol. Now, that's probably going to set you back, say, 70 million between those two centre-backs. Maybe a little bit more. Maybe 75 I, I personally think Bremer ends up at Inter Milan. And if I was Spurs, I'd actually prefer him to go there because I, I think I'd rather get someone else. I'd rather have a calmer head. I'd rather have Stefan De Vries, who's the one that Bremer would likely replace at Inter. If you get him for about 20, Gvardiol for 45, that's 65. That still leaves you 50 million. So you can go and you can get your cane replacement. You can get whatever else you need from that. Um, the issue with getting a cane replacement is, is what, what are you getting? Are you getting someone who long-term is Kane's successor or just someone who's a short-term one or two years to fill in a spot? If you just want someone who's a short-term fill, Andrea Bellotti, get him on a free from Torino. That's who I'd look at. I think you bring him in. I think he gets your goals, could play with Kane, could play with Son. I, I think he'd be ideal. Get him on a Bosman. Wages won't be massive. If they got De Vries, Gvardiol, Aarons, Kostic, and Bellotti, I think that's a really good team. I do think it's a really good team. I never even factored in the money for selling uh, La Celso or Endembele either. But it, it just goes to show Spurs can make a massive improvement, a massive improvement this summer without having to spend insane amounts of money. Now, you might not be a huge Max Aarons fan, and that's fine. But there's other options out there they could go for as well. I just think Spurs need to address those centre-back positions more than anything. Get, get yourself a proper setback three with players of Romero's calibre. And I think you'll be in much, much better shape. Because the, the base of a Conte team is always going to be a great back three. But he does want to play attacking, fast-paced football. He needs that base to do it from. You get him Gvardiol and De Vries or someone like De Vries, I, I think that could be really, really promising. Like I say, I'd still be looking for that replacement for Larissa, a, a successor someone that can come in with a really high upside 
that you can develop and maybe take over in 23-24 as first choice? Because there's no question, Lloris has declined. Uh, he might not like to admit it, but it, it is very much the case. Um, but yeah, for, for Spurs fans, they should be very, very excited by this, by the idea of owners putting in money, by the idea that Conte is getting the backing he wants, which should keep him at the club long term, or at least medium term. There is no real long term with Conte, but medium term, he might stay. And Alistair Gold has said Regulon could be sold, and Mbele Lacelso, they could be sold. Uh, Cameron Carter Vickers, apparently six million potentially for to Celtic. Interesting. Winks could go as well. Then you need another midfielder. You need to, maybe, maybe you bring Sar back to replace Winks and you buy a starter. But again, Winks is going to bring in a decent price. There will be Premier League interest in Harry Winks. I would imagine you could probably sell Harry Winks to Leicester if Thielemans go, Thielemann goes. Brendan Rodgers loves himself an English midfielder. So maybe he goes there. Um, but yeah, I think Spurs have a lot of reasons and the fans have a lot of reasons to be very, very positive about what their future holds. Aston Villa, according to David Ornstein, are exploring the possibility of signing Diego Carlos from Sevilla. Diego Carlos is, is a good centre-back, but he's not a top-end centre-back. And he's very rash. He's really inconsistent. And he's not someone I trust. Like, you're looking to replace Mings. The biggest flaw with Mings is he's brainless. The biggest flaw with Carlos is he can be brainless. There are much better options out there for Aston Villa. Much better options out there. Max Sens-Lacroix of Wolfsburg would be ideal. You put him next to Konza with Bubakar Kamara in front and you flank Kamara with Ramsey and Basuma. That's what it looks like it could be next season. And you're golden. You've got your fullbacks in Cash and Dinia. Dinia is not the one I would have signed in it. It's still weird to me that that's who they went for. Borna Sosa was screaming at you to go and buy him. Um, you put Coutinho as your 10, and you just need to find a partner for Watkins. That's, you know, then you're just looking at depth. Then that's all you need is depth. A couple of backup fullbacks, maybe a, maybe a better backup goalkeeper than Olsen. I, Diego, Diego Carlos, to me, would not be the right signing for Villa. I think you're jumping out of the frying pan into the fire. If, you, if you're swapping out Mings for him, and if you have to play him and Mings together, that is going to be a train wreck. An absolute train wreck. Carlos is better than him, but he's just as rash. Chelsea's new owners have big ambitions in the transfer market, say sources. Uh, this is from BBC's Alistair McGowan. This is the same nonsense that we've heard all along. But 
track records are track records, and it it has been proven that American owners want to be very very clever, sometimes too clever. That their number one port of call is profit and loss, sustainability, and while they may have big ambitions in the transfer market, that doesn't translate to big signings. That translates to rebooting your recruitment policy, finding ways to find you know undervalued targets the way Liverpool do, basically turning your club into Liverpool South, which is what I expect uh, Todd Bowley and Co. to try and do. It is interesting to me that now we're in a situation where United, Liverpool, Arsenal, the three biggest clubs in the country, and Chelsea, arguably the fourth biggest club in the country. I would say they're, I'd say them over Tottenham, and then kind of City and Villa would be the next two. But Villa are owned partly by an American, so we do the seven biggest clubs. Villa owned by an American, Wes Edens. Chelsea set to be, Liverpool are, Arsenal are, and United are. That's five of the seven biggest clubs in the Premier League owned or part-owned by Americans. It's interesting. It really is interesting. Doesn't doesn't mean anything, but it is interesting. Um, but yeah, I think um look, it's it's I think it's good for the league to be rid of Roman. I, I'm sure Chelsea fans won't agree, but there's there's just something off about what he did, how he went about things. Same way with City. There's just something off about it. Now, obviously, with City, it's, you know, human rights violations and that type of thing. Uh, same with Newcastle, obviously. But there's there's just something strange about, about Rome. There's something strange about Roman as a person anyway. I don't know what it is. There just is. You, can, you just get a weird vibe off him. Um, I don't think Chelsea are going to spend huge money. I think they'll sign... I think they'll have some, I think they might have a couple of marquee signings. Like it would not surprise me at all if they signed Dybala. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they managed to convince Usman Dembele to join. I think that'd be a suicidal move uh, because he's been at Barca for five years and had what, about four good months. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Koulibaly rocked up because Koulibaly is a big name who's going to be undervalued this summer. But I, I don't see them spending three hundred million the way some people are saying. I don't see them buying. Maybe they go big on one guy, and maybe it's Jules Kunde. But even at that, I have some doubts. I'm going to take a break. When we come back, we'll just wrap up with the gossip. There's not a whole lot else today, I'm afraid. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So, um, David Ornstein also has a piece up about Arsenal's need and want for two strikers, potentially. And the names mentioned here are Gabriel Jesus, who's been strongly linked, Tammy Abraham, who I don't think will leave Roma this summer, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who I think could well end up at Arsenal, uh, Gianluca Schamacca from I probably butchered his name now he's from Sassuolo he's really good I think he's going to go to Inter Milan Adam Hlozic uh, like I said he's been heavily linked to uh, Bayer Leverkusen in the last couple of days Yuri Tielemans 
is a target for the midfield and apparently keen on the move. And although apparently the reason Tielemans wants to leave Leicester is to play Champions League football. I know Arsenal finished above them this season, but Leicester finished above Arsenal the last two seasons. And if we go position by position, I think Leicester have the better team. Like goalkeeper, I'd rather have Casper, who I can rely on, than Ramsdale. Ramsdale is obviously a lot younger, but Casper is a better goalkeeper now. Um, I, I do prefer Tommy Asu to Pereira. But I love James Justin, and I might take James Justin over Tommy Asu. That's close. Left back, Kieran Tierney's the left back. Gabriel will be one of the centre backs, but Fafana is the other one. And Leicester might add a centre back this summer. I'm taking Wilf Ndidi over Thomas Partey as a defensive midfielder. For me, it's not close. Um, I'd rather have Madison than Odegaard. I'd rather have Harvey Barnes than Martinelli at this point and for the next two seasons. I'd much rather have Leicester's three strikers, Vardy, Iheanacho and Daka, than Lacazette and Nketiah. And obviously you'd take Saka over Adamola Luckman. Now that does leave out Smith Rowe, but I'd still take Harvey Barnes over Smith Rowe for the next couple of seasons. So for me, Leicester with Tielemans is better than Arsenal with Tielemans. Now, Arsenal will do other things. And, you know, if they bring in a Calvert-Lewin, that's a big upgrade up front. But is he better than Jamie Vardy and Iheanacho and Daka as a group? No. Um, if they brought Calvert-Lewin and Jesus, that would be better than what Leicester have. Apparently, they tried to add Nico Schlotterberg in January for some left-side centre-back depth. Um, this is the stupidity of Arsenal, though. Like, you don't go and spend 20-odd million on a backup centre-back who's around the same age as your starter. You had Pablo Mari. He, I know he's not great, but he's grand. And he would have been fine as a backup, so you just keep him. They just do such silly things. It sounds like Arsenal have an have a lot to do. I don't even think he's covered half of it. Like they need two backup fullbacks. We know that. I think they need a starting centre back because I'm not sold on Ben White. If Saliba comes back, it's him. So Saliba, Gabriel, White as a backup. I'd still be looking for then a left side centre back. But again, get someone young who you can develop or someone old who you can rely on. Don't buy someone who's the same age and profile as the guy you have starting, unless you're planning to sell him. And if you're starting to sell your better players and replace them with similar level players, what are you actually doing? You're not progressing at all. They need a couple in midfield. They need a couple up front. There's just an awful lot to do at Arsenal this summer. Not as exciting, I don't think, to be an Arsenal fan right now as it is to be a Spurs fan. Arsenal have a be- have sorry, Spurs have a better manager. They have the two best players between the two clubs. Arsenal have the future in Saka, Martinelli, and Smith Rowe, but will they all be there in three years? Like, if if Arsenal don't make Champions League next season, is Saka sticking around another year? 
if Smith Rowe is going to stay as a rotation player, is he going to stick around for that? Maybe. But I don't know. I don't know. Apparently, Chris Kamara has signed a deal with the BBC. Chris Kamara will launch his own BBC podcast this summer to replace the Peter Crouch podcast. The new podcast will be called Unbelievable and will be co-hosted by Ben Shepard. Peter Crouch must be breaking off on his own, is he? Or what's he doing with himself? Interesting. Uh, a Chris Kamara podcast could be funny. Don't know if it'd be good, but it could be funny. I will just finish up with the gossip and we'll be done for today. There's not a whole lot else. Oh, here's a bit of news. Tariq Lamptey is considering switching to Ghana. That's, I think that's a clever move for him. Uh, Hudson Odoi, I believe, has done it in recent weeks. I think, is it Eddie and Ketty is another one that, that's been looked at? There's so many English right backs that it probably just makes sense for him to switch to Ghana. And Ghana are developing a seriously gifted team with Kamaldine, with Kudus, with Hudson Odoi, if he comes across. Uh, I can't think of the left-footed kid's name who went to sporting. He's really good as well. There's a lot of talent there for Ghana to pick from. It is great to see these African countries start to claw back some of the talent that they lost. Um, there's another thing here. Uh, oh, El Nenny has signed a new contract with Arsenal. So that is a that is a good sign for Arsenal. One less thing to do is you know get your fifth midfielder. Uh, there's an all-time Liverpool eleven thing here, so we'll we'll do that quickly. Um, why not? Why not? Why not? Where do we pick? Oh, here we go. Right, goalkeeper. I'm going Alison Becker. Personally, I think he's just the best we've had. Right back is going to be Trent. Left back is an interesting one. I, I saw a couple of people say Andy Robertson. I think Steve Nichol. I think it's got to be Steve Nichol. Now I know he didn't play left back all the time, but Steve Nichol's the one for me. Centre backs. It's easy. It's Alan Hansen. And it's Virgil. Uh, there's no real debate there. Uh, midfield, Graham Souness walks in. He is the first pick in midfield. And if he's not your first pick, you've done this wrong. Um, we'll go Gerrard. And my third midfielder, I'm going to go Barnes. Uh, up front, I'm going Salah. If I can find him, there he is. I'm going dog leash. So those two either side of my nine. Now, this is the question mark. So obviously Ian Rush is Liverpool's greatest ever goal scorer. But I'm going to make a very controversial pick here. I'm going to pick Luis Suarez because he's the best player I've ever seen play for Liverpool. Luis Suarez was the best player I've ever seen play for Liverpool. Suarez was better than Salah. He was better than Gerrard. He was better than any of them for me. I, I think he didn't stay long enough, obviously. But in terms of best 11, not greatest 11, best 11, I'm going to go Suarez. So uh, Ali, Trent, Virgil, Hansen, Nickel, Gerard, Sunes, Barnes, Salah, Suarez, Dogleash. That's not bad. 
that's not bad. That's what I'm going to go with. And if you don't like it, well, sorry for you. Um, we'll do the gossip. Arsenal have held talks with Napoli over a move for Victor Asimian. I just don't see it happening, folks. They want far too much money. And he wants Champions League football. I can see them getting Calvert-Lewin. I can see them getting Gabriel Jesus. I just don't see that they will get Victor Simeon. He's too good to play Europa League football. He's absolutely outstanding. Chelsea head coach Thomas Tuchel is said to have 200 million to spend. Again, I just don't believe it. I, I, I'll believe it when I see it. I don't believe it at all. Um, no, I don't even think it'll be close to that, to be honest. Now, it, it could be if they sell a bunch of players, but they're not going to just give them 200 million. I just don't see it at all. Uh, Brazilian winger Rafinha has told Leeds he wants to play for Barcelona. This is from Sport, which is basically a Barcelona fanzine. Um, Luis Suarez could move to Major League Soccer site into Miami. Suarez said he wants to stay in Europe. Roma boss Jose Mourinho is expected to step up, step up his efforts to sign Douglas Luiz. I think Villa will sell, and I think they'll buy Basuma to replace him, and I think that's an upgrade for them. Uh, Sevilla will not be turning Anthony Martial's loan move into a permanent deal this summer. Not surprising it didn't go well. Uh, Salah Natana would love to sign Edinson Cavani. Yeah, I mean, if he fancies doing something funky for the last couple of years he has in Europe, that's absolutely the type of move to do. Look what Falcao did this season, and it was great. Uh, Eden Hazard has ruled out a departure from Real Madrid, insisting he is desperate to show everyone what he can do. He's desperate to keep making the money he's making at Real. It has nothing to do with showing anybody anything. Uh, Everton and Crystal Palace both want to sign Ishmael Assar, and Newcastle have also, oh, sorry, but Newcastle have ended their interest. Um, it could be a good replacement at Everton for Richarlison. Liverpool and Leeds are set to battle Bologna for the signing of Calvin Ramsey. I think Liverpool get him. Martin Dubravka wants to stay at Newcastle despite the club being linked with Dean Henderson and Keppa. Why would they sign Keppa? Seriously. Gareth Bale was offered to Atletico Madrid on a free transfer, but they turned him down. Um, I, I want to see him go. I want to see him go to Cardiff and play for pennies. And then you'll you'll prove you actually want to play football. Uh, Jules Conde and Josco Guardiol are on Chelsea's eight-player shortlist. I, again, I just don't see it. And it's Matt Lowell. I just don't see it. Jack Harrison. I think this is just a case where journalists are regurgitating names that were linked before. Jack Harrison of Leeds is a target for Newcastle. And Newcastle also wants Fen Botman. Botman wants to go to AC Milan, though. Aston Villa have joined Everton in the race for James Tarkovsky. Would be a very good signing for, for Villa. But now, this is the thing. How are you looking at him and Diego Carlos? Like, maybe they want both. I think Villa need two centre-backs anyway. Like, I'd be looking at Cons as a starter, new starter next to him. Tarkovsky is the third centre-back. Mings is the fourth centre-back and then Courtney Hawes is the fifth centre-back. I think that would be best. Um, 
William Saliba will be part of Arsenal's squad for next season, so says the Evening Standard. Not sure William Saliba agrees. Uh, Ryan Fredericks is leaving West Ham. That's a good thing for West Ham. He, he's, he's not a Premier League player. West Ham are lining up a move for Joe Worrell should Forrest fail to make the Premier League this weekend when they play Huddersfield in the playoff. Joe Worrell is going to be a Premier League player next week, one way or another. Manchester United should sign Max Ahrens, according to Rio Ferdinand. First time I agree with Rio on something, although, like I say, Spurs should sign him instead. West Ham are continuing to hold talks with Wren over a deal for Moroccan centre-back Naif Agard. Uh, they tried to sign him in January, I think. Um, Renan Lodi is on the radar of Newcastle, believing the Magpies have a great project. Uh, yeah, great project is is basically football speak for lots of money. Lots and lots and lots of money. Uh, I have no idea who his agent is, but I would imagine there's some sort of connection to Bruno Gomerich. That is me for today, folks. I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you, as always, for listening. Sorry that we are once again a little bit late today. That is my fault entirely, but it is what it is. I will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.